episode of Wild Research Bites podcast, and it's brought to you by the Swedish University of Agricultural Sciences. And today in the studio, I have with me two PhD students from SLU, and we're going to discuss how it was for them to move to Sweden from abroad. So welcome Sabine and Fernanda. Thank you. Thank you. So maybe just to start off this interview, I'm going to ask you who you are and where you come from. So Sabine. Yeah, so my name is Sabine Pfeffer. I'm originally from Germany. I'm 27 years old and I'm a PhD student here at SLU at the same department as you, Olli, and also Fernanda, uh, the Department of Wildlife, Fish and Environmental Studies. And um, I've been living now in Sweden for three and a half years, I think. Oh, yeah. right. and that's quite long, actually. Yeah. Yeah. That I is cool. just realized how long that is. It doesn't feel that long, actually, but it's... Yeah, time goes fast. Nice. Yeah, it's really yeah. fast. <laughs> what are you doing your PhD on, by the way? Um, I'm looking, basically, how different ungulate species, so that means moose, red deer, roe deer, and fallow deer, so the most four common deer species here in Sweden, how they influence the forestry. So I look a lot at browsing damage, basically. I go out into the woods and measure the height of trees, count shoots, uh, and see how many shoots are browsed, if the top shoot is browsed, if the bark is stripped, and that's basically what I'm working with in a nutshell. Yeah, that sounds super interesting. And uh, Fernanda, what about you? Hey. Hey, hey. I'm Fernanda Miranda. I came from Natal, which is a big city in Brazil, from the northeast of Brazil. Uh, I'm 31 years old, and I have been in Sweden since 2011, so quite a long time. That's a long time as well. Yes. And I'm doing my PhD at the same department as you, as you said, Sabine. And is my PhD is about algal biodiversity applied uh, for biofuel production. So I work with different combinations of algae species, and I look the lipids composition. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds interesting. What is algae actually? This organism like in the sea. <laughs> I yeah. just know algae that's <laughs> in the water. <laughs> and if there's yeah. a lot of algae in the water, I don't want to go swimming in the lake. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 yeah. they're quite important. Algae are unicell cells and they are important for the production of oxygen in the for the world. So basically 50% of the whole oxygen production in the world is, comes from the algae. Yeah. So they are important for the whole food web in aquatic ecosystems. And um, yeah, that sounds cool. And uh, what about like coming from Brazil to Sweden? Uh, that's a huge leap. It's like on the other side of the planet. Exactly. Um, it's how did you come up with Sweden? I came um, to Sweden for my the master program in college at Umeå University, and uh, I started the master in 2011. It was really nice program. What was the masters about? Ecology, general ecology, but I picked the, here in Sweden you can decide the courses you want to do, so I picked the courses related to aquatic ecology, that's the topic I like the most. And my master was about food web efficiency in the Baltic Sea, so I look yeah. at the effects of uh, brownification of the Baltic Sea and the effects for the whole food web. Yeah, and what is brownification? Like pollutants, 
pollution no, it's of a, it or uh, it's just the uh, organic uh, material that are in the soil yeah and uh, with um, climate change you will get more uh, rain and the rain will just bring more soil from the from the catchment area to the water and this will make the water brown and this uh, will affect the whole food web because if you have a brown water the light's not coming to the algae and they are not producing enough for the whole food web until you catch the fish. So it can affect a lot the fish production here in Sweden. I was looking for the, fa- yeah, the effects of, of that. Cool. And uh, how was it different, the Baltic Sea system, to your home systems in Brussels? Oh, I really different. Yeah, yeah because uh, Baltic Sea is... Um, brackish water so different from the Atlantic Sea we have so it's not that salty compared to the system I was working in Brazil it's small but quite interesting and I could see it's it's also good to study the effects of climate change here compared to there here it's so changed so fast all right what about you Sabina how did you come up with Sweden mm-hmm. Actually, when I came to Sweden three and a half years ago, it was my second time in Sweden. So I've been during my bachelor studies already here in Umeå as an Erasmus exchange student for one semester. And that was in 2013, I think. And um, then during my master, which I started in Germany, but I felt like I want to go abroad again. I want to experience something else and I just emailed randomly basically departments in different countries in the north and asked for possible master thesis topics and in the end I ended up in Umeå again it was actually by coincidence that it became Sweden it was just the best topic or I liked the topic that they offered me the most so I decided to come here again. All right so Umeå is pulling you back Kind of, yeah, but uh, with the difference that I had, the ex- like the Erasmus exchange was um, at Ume University, and then I came here to SLU, which I actually had no clue that it existed in Umeå before. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, because here's two universities in Umeå, the Umeå University and the Swedish University of Agricultural Sciences. Exactly, yeah. How do you find the difference? Is there any difference between these two universities as a student? Mm, I think SLU is much more applied. Uh, at least that was my experience. But on the other hand, I mean, I didn't take any courses here at SLU. I just came here basically as a free mover for my thesis. Whereas at Umi University, I took two courses during my Erasmus exchange. Um, but uh, I think in general, you can see already. SLU is, of course, focused on, on nature and environment. Um, so I think it's also the style of the people is a bit different than Ume University, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. Ume University is a, a big campus with all kind of different study programs. You have management, you have, yeah, that's true. I don't know, um, doctors and all kind of different programs, mathematics and so on. So yeah, it's you have a the medical mix, school as well. mix of people, exactly. And here SLU is much more nature focused, I mm. would say. And the cool thing is that they are both universities are on the same campus so we can also see the Ume University from here SLU and they can see us although we are way smaller yeah we're one building and I think if you ask a lot of people at Ume University they don't know about SLU yeah that's true (laughs) I did not know when I came I got to know like 
when I applied for the PhD position. Yeah, exactly so the same for me. Time. I also had no clue about SLU, even though I lived in Umeå for All five right. months <laughs> before. <laughs> so we need to do more marketing at the yes. university. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. And uh, what about coming to Sweden? Uh, how was that step for you? Uh, was it uh, difficult to move in? And what about all the practical issues like registering to Sweden and finding a house? I guess I can give two different perspectives. So when I came here as an Erasmus student, it was all super easy. Mm. I just can recommend that for anyone that wants to come from abroad. If you have, if your home university has an exchange program with an university abroad, they usually arrange housing for mm. you. They take care of anything. It's basically you fill in some forms where you make some decisions what courses you want to take and the rest is arranged for and you even get money for it if you do it with Erasmus mm-hmm. or yeah. a similar program. Um, but then when I came here kind of as a free mover, that was quite tough, especially to find a room or housing. Uh, I guess in all big university cities, especially here in Sweden, it's hard to find a room. And then it makes it even more harder if you don't have a personal number. Like here in Sweden, they have the system of a personal number. And basically, if you don't have such a number, you're you're very much limited in what you can yeah. do. And also with finding housing, often you need the number in order to find housing. Mm. Um, but if I look at more cultural perspective, it of course it's a different country, so there it's a bit different. Uh, but still, I I mean I came from Germany, so it's all within Europe. Um, so I didn't feel like a huge cultural shock or anything. But I don't know how that was for Fernanda, maybe. No, coming for me, from it was Brazil. really <laughs> big. It was a big shock, especially the weather, food, culture. But when I came, I immediately started my master program. So I was lucky that I met so many international people here. And it was a really good time. For my master, it was a really good time. So... Even though it was quite different, I could meet people all around the world. It helped a lot. And not that many Swedish people I met that time, but I had luck with my group. So, But I think that's a thing. I felt the same coming mm-hmm. here as an international student. It's super easy to get contact, especially yeah. with other internationals. But mm-hmm. to get really good contact with Swedish people can be difficult. Even now, yeah, I exactly. think still that we're yeah. living here and working here. Mm. It's harder to reach the Swedish people sometimes feels like to make really good friends or that they open up. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. my like for registration for my master went really fast as you mentioned also for coming and studying and find housing was good but I have been here since 2011 so <laughs> I don't know how registration is now actually so. did you uh, yeah when you registered in 2011 uh, hmm. did you also get your personal ID number I or? actually got my personal number in after three weeks so it was that's quite quick fast. that is fast I got yeah. My, yeah. for me it took two and a half months yeah now it's a bit difference from 2011 I see it was yeah. easy to get my registration in university and prove my proficiency in English and credits but nowadays I know many people are having problems yeah. to get here 
But I think the good thing is, for example, when you come here as a PhD student, mm. which we both became, yeah. um, then it's also, I mean, it's easier to get the personal number. Exactly, it can yeah. be that you have to wait a while until the whole document mm-hmm. process uh, is kind of finished. But um, I got my personal number finally when I got this employment. Yeah, cool. so that is good, yeah. That was really nice. Yeah. And then all options open kind of in yeah, Sweden. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And here in uh, mm. Sweden, if you are a PhD student, you are uh, employed by the university as well. So you are mm. uh, one of the staff members, which also helps in then you're getting into the system. Yeah, and then you're in the system, and mm. also you get uh, the health insurance through yes. the university and everything. Mm. What about have you uh, already signed with the first acting Skassan? Was it difficult for you, or did you apply? Or it the social insur- insurance uh, institution. Uh, I don't remember actually. Neither I think actually. I filled in one form and then it was okay. I think it's when you usually when you have the p- when you get the personal number, then you have the right for health insurance directly. here in Sweden yeah. directly. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. And but I think I had to fill in one extra form. Mm. It was I one do not kind remember. of uh, I don't remember yeah. for sure to be honest. All right, all right, yeah. <laughs> Because I remember I just needed to apply separately, but I wasn't aware of this. So mm. just make sure sure if you move to Sweden and you get your personal ID number to also register with the Försäkringskassan. It's true. Mm-hmm. It was a separate yeah. form. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. But it was just one piece of paper yeah, that you had to fill yeah. in and but it is independent of Skatteverket where you get your personal number yeah. from. Yeah, true. Yeah, and Skatteverket true. is the tax office. Yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. And what about uh, bank accounts and stuff? Did you find it difficult to establish one when you came? It was also dependent on your social security number, I exactly, think. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have the personal number, you can open a bank it's so account. so easy. Yeah. yeah. And but then if you it's don't, easy. then it's very difficult. Yes. Yeah, then exactly. From my experience at yes. least. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, same for me and I think it's especially difficult if you start often like people start working here for example as a PhD student um, but it takes like one or two months until you get this personal number and this social security number um, and then it can be that you're one or two months without a Swedish bank account because exactly. you no can't salary. get a bank account without a personal number, but without a bank account, you also don't get salary. So, I mean, they will reimburse you afterwards and give you the salary they couldn't give you, but it could mm. be that you're a few weeks or months without any salary, which is not that nice, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and it's good to have a little bit of savings yes. on your account, definitely. What about then uh, when you came to Sweden? Uh, was it difficult to communicate to people? Do people here speak English in uh, your opinion well? And is it easy to communicate in English or do you have to learn Swedish? Well, I still don't know Swedish. <laughs> so I'm since 2011 just speaking English. I tried sometimes to learn the language, but it was quite hard for me. So it works fine with English. But of course, if I want to know more about the culture and meet more Swedish people would say it's important to learn Swedish right Sabine what do you think yeah so I learned Swedish and I think I have a huge advantage coming from Germany the Mm. language is rather similar at least the grammar and sentence structure and so on Um, I think you can of course live here without knowing Swedish everyone speaks English exactly and everyone Mm. will be able to help you in English as well 
but uh, if you as you say if you want to have more the contact with mm-hmm. the Swedish people and also maybe make Swedish friends or be active in a, I don't know in an association or sports or mm-hmm. something like that then Swedish helps for sure learning yeah. the language yeah. and what I've heard from many people also from Europe that in their opinion Sweden is the one of the like best countries in terms of knowing English and being able to communicate in yeah, English yeah they're really ah. good yeah. Compared to other European countries like mm-hmm. uh, Germany or France or Spain, for that matter. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I But think yeah. Germany <laughs> is one of the worst, actually. <laughs> yeah. Is it difficult to speak English there? Yeah, I think you can speak English, but I wouldn't be sure if they understand yeah, what you're when saying. Oh, when right. I was in Munich, I had lots of problems to speak in English yeah. with them. But I, I think one of the main reasons, uh, for me, that's the easiest explanation is here in Sweden, TV and f- movies, everything is basically in the original language. Yeah, so true. if there's an American movie, it's in English and then you have the Swedish subtitles. Whereas in Germany, but also Italy, Spain, and all Brazil. those countries, <laughs> everything gets translated or like... Yeah. How do you call that? Yeah, dubbed. Dubbed, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you have a movie which is on originally maybe in, in English, exactly, but yeah. you can just see it or listen to it on the TV in, in German. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's actually something I would like to be a bit more in Germany, that also <laughs> all the generations might at least be able to understand more English. Um, yeah. And mm. I mean not actively talking maybe but just to understand more English and to be more international in this world that I think becomes so much more international yeah definitely where everyone mm. can go anywhere kind of yeah. it was actually yeah fun I was uh, traveling in Germany for a bit and I also saw these TV programs that are dubbed and actually surprisingly well they somehow synchronize the mouth movements and the German language <laughs> in it so yeah. it kind of like looks as if it was spoken in German there's also like occasions when they're speaking and it doesn't correspond to like what they're saying doesn't correspond to their mouth movements at all and then it seems rather funny I think yeah rather strange but a lot of people asked always or friends like how can you watch a movie that's like an English movie they, they move their lips in English and they talk in German how is it possible but I think If you're not used to it, if you like grow up with it and it's like the only way you're exactly. used to in it, Brazil is the you same. don't realize it at all. Now mm-hmm. I actually, that I live in Sweden and see a lot of movies in their original language, I have hard troubles watching a movie that stopped it. Yeah. Um, I I also don't like it anymore. But when I still lived in Germany, I didn't mind. I didn't realize it. So yeah. yeah, it's I guess like what you're used to, definitely. Mm. But how is it in Finland? You have also original uh, movies, or is also everything translated? No, we have also original, yeah. and then we have yeah. the subtitles. So it's yeah. very much the same as here in uh, Sweden. Okay. And yeah, also coming to Sweden as a Finn, because as a Finn, you know, you're supposed to know some Swedish. But of <laughs> course, when I came here, I didn't know at all. Um, when I yeah, because I stopped studying Swedish in uh, after my secondary school because in my high school it was an international high school so I didn't have the opportunity to mm. learn Swedish but you learn so quite fast yeah when I came here mm-hmm. I think the Swedish people gave me the courtesy to practice my Swedish That's so good. that was good yeah so I learned at least some words and some uh, sentences so that's good always yeah I can understand quite a lot but I get really shy if I have to speak the language But I should practice more, maybe. Have you, by the way, uh, 
Do you have any Brazilian mate friends here that you yeah. can speak Portuguese? Portuguese. Yes. With? Yeah. Yes, I met few Brazilians that are in the university as well, so we try to meet quite often now, which is good because I miss a lot my hometown. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine also yeah. and speaking in your own language. Exactly. I yeah. So now it's getting very often to meet more Brazilians around, so Yeah, that is good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do people in Brazil know about Sweden in general? Uh, yeah, the they do know. Actually, they do know. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, an example of a good society and good political rules, like especially in Brazil that is not working properly. <laughs> so we usually see in the news about Sweden uh, how the government works and how things work in an equal way and how we are not doing the same. So. Mm-hmm. How about, how was it or how is it for you to be employed here and how, what's the work life, what's the work environment here at SLU for you guys? Is it uh, something very different from home or do you see a lot of hierarchy in no, the not world? At all. No, yeah. not at all. There is yeah. no hierarchy at all here in Sweden no. and that's something I like so much and really appreciate mm-hmm. that. The kind of everyone is welcome to talk in exactly. and give their opinion yeah. in in meetings. It doesn't matter if you're a student, if you're a PhD yeah. student, if you're a professor. Everyone is equal. And also, no one is walking around here with a suit and exactly. super dressed up. Everyone calls each other with the first name. You don't say Mister. Exactly, uh, and I I like a lot that we have like a thicker room and we can eat all together. In Brazil, you wouldn't eat with your professors and postdocs, okay. it's more separately. So here I like that we are all together in those yep. lunch times and fika. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's also because uh, we have those fixed fika times at, at work. Mm-hmm. So fika is kind of the Swedish coffee break, if people don't know what that is. I have to. And, uh, There are fixed times here at our department, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And I think that's so nice that you meet really for having a cup of coffee and chatting for 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and then you go back to work. And for example, in Germany, I mean, I've never worked in Germany, but as my experience as a student at university, something like that doesn't exist. I mean, people might go to the kitchen, get a grab, um, grab a cup of coffee, and then they just go back to the office. Mm. Um, so I, I really like that here, that it's so open and friendly. And Yeah, I definitely agree. It loosens up the atmosphere and yes. the working atmosphere also. And if you have a problem with your work, there's no big boundary to go to your supervisor to ask. Uh, for help or for your colleagues mm. exactly and, help and also a fact the doors are always open like the office doors they usually are always open ah, yeah, that's and also good. i think that already gives an an impression of everyone is welcome. welcome everyone mm. is included so you can just kind of now want to say knock on the door but the door is open so you just knock at the door frame and then you say do you have a minute and usually everyone says yeah come in exactly, have a yeah. seat a lot of people have a sofa in their office so you just yeah, sit down we do have <laughs> a sofa <laughs> <laughs> nice need to come and spend some more time in your office then yeah on the couch but yeah what about the lunch culture i heard it's different in the south especially in brazil yeah It's really different. I mean, in Brazil, people are not used to bring your own food. 
it's not well seen from the people, which is not good. You always have to either go to a restaurant or go home, but you don't meet people to share food like on the table as here. Um, yeah, that's really bad, I would say. So yeah. this was a big thing for me when I came, like people uh, eating all in the kitchen. We don't do that. There is no kitchen in the, where you work there. We don't share that. And um, I like it a lot that here it's so open and yeah, we yeah, can just even nice cook together. Yeah, actually, that's many times good. for Fridays fika, somebody's baking in the kitchen. Yeah, this uh, is uh, also cookies yeah. or buns or whatever. Mm. Some cake. Yeah. Uh, but I think it also is like that because kind of you have the option to do it. They're everywhere microwaves, so you can yeah. bring your lunch from home. Kind of you pre-cook it in the evening before and just bring it and warm it up and mm. eat all together. In Germany, it's more common to, at least at the university, to go to the kind of a cafeteria where they serve lunch. And then it's usually really cheap as well. In Brazil, um, it's not that cheap. But here in Sweden, I mean, we have a cafeteria <laughs> here in the house as well, but yeah. it's rather expensive. So yeah, true. you can't really, I guess you could afford it, but you don't really want to do it every day. Spend what is it 70 80 crowns for a lunch mm. then but then it's, it's a buffet so you can eat as yeah. much as you want to. and coffee <laughs> so. included yeah, but if you yeah. do that every day then <laughs> after a month you gain some kilos i guess <laughs> i don't know and yeah lose your wallet so like your wallet gets at least lighter yes. that is well the wallet gets lighter and you get maybe more heavy yeah <laughs> What about the work ethics here in Sweden compared to your home countries? Do people work hard or what kind of like standards are there? <laughs> Should I take it? <laughs> take care. <laughs> look at me. Um, uh, interesting question. <laughs> yes. Uh, I think um, in Germany there are more stricter working hours, even though it's, I guess, rather flexible. But it's like you come, you start usually at university at nine in the morning and then you work until six. And then you go home. Whereas here in Sweden, it's first of all much more flexible. So we can, as long as we, especially as PhD students, as long as we do yes. our work and our job, it's basically no one really minds when exactly we're at work. And if we work from home or just yeah. wherever, we're more productive. And I think in general, Swedish people start working much earlier. Some are here at seven already in the morning or eight. Yeah. <laughs> Even though some also some Finnish people. <laughs> <laughs> you always hear super early. I'm a morning person. Uh, but then they also leave at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, and it's often I'm here. I'm usually I come like somewhere around nine. Maybe I try to be here a bit before nine. Just and then before I'm the fika. Just before <laughs> yeah, the fika, exactly. Uh, and then I'm here until five, sometimes until six, depends how it goes and what I have to do. But it's usually after four, I feel like I'm the only one in my corridor. Mm. There's like not a lot of people left working then. That's true. Yeah, yeah because back at home, yeah. it's also usually from eight to four. That's the standard working hours. Whereas in some other countries, I've seen nine to five. Or yeah, I mean, Brazil is also eight to four but in the university no one stays until four they stay until eight in the evening because so much work to do mm. as a phd in brazil for example you cannot only first of all you get a scholarship only and you still have to teach a lot 
to be able to finish your PhD and this you cannot do only eight hours per day. You need at least 12 hours a day, which is a bad thing, I would say. Yeah, sounds intense. Yeah, it's quite intense. So, yeah. We've had a really nice discussion here so far. Do you have any messages for our listeners about, or take-home messages about what you would advise people when uh, they're moving or deciding to move to Sweden for work or for uh, study? I think the first one is, which we probably all agree, is if you come here for working or you planning to stay here for longer, get a personal number as soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, if you can do it before moving here, which yes. I learned as a Nordic person you can do. Uh, okay, that's then nice. Then you definitely should do. But I think as a European or mm. uh, overseas person, you have to do the application when you are When here. you're in the country, yeah, I think yeah. so as well. But mm. when you arrive here your first day, go to Skatteverket, so that's the tax agency, and apply for a personal number. Because it can take some weeks before you get that one. Yeah, it can, definitely. Mm. I, I would say I would advise people to, when they come here, to really accept their culture, because at least for me it was a big shock. And I... I was not prepared for this big shock for the first six months. So just come here with open mind and try really to get the culture and accept the difference. Try to enjoy more outdoor sports, outdoor activities. It's, it will make life easier if you try to enjoy the winter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Brilliant. now I mean it took me a long time to enjoy in the winter but now I actually enjoy going ski or ice skating I think it's good so yeah you have a really nice skiing track next to Erzbuda exactly. also yes. where you live yeah. yeah so that's my advice <laughs> and yeah. bring uh, if you're coming from the south just bring loads and loads of clothes a nice yeah. winter jacket true and long yeah. johns <laughs> embrace long johns oh, yes. with friends in the winter time yeah what about the lightness in the summer? Is I that love it. You love yeah, it? Yeah, I do I love, love it. I think that makes me bear the dark winter because I know during summer it will be light. It's yeah. kind yeah. of what I, at True. least that I tell myself, you can survive the dark winter. And yeah. uh, I really like it. I don't have any problems sleeping because some people say they can't sleep. I, I mean, do have problems sleeping. Oh. I mean, we have window blinds so we can close them, but it's not... 100% dark in our sleeping room and it's usually the f like in April early May when it starts to be really early light then I might wake up a few nights and mm. feel like oh I have to go up but then I just look on my watch and it's like oh no it's just 3 o'clock in the morning I yeah. can just continue <laughs> sleeping every night so, yeah. <laughs> um, so it's like a week or so I have that and then I just accept it and it's it's no problem at all but I really like it uh, and I think an advice for winter might be if you're in the north and it's really dark, just keep yourself busy. Exactly. Do a lot, do sports, mm -hmm. meet with friends after work and try to be as active as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because when I came here uh, in 2011, I, my first winter, I w was so sad about the darkness that I was not going outside. And then the, the winter after I decided... Now I do things like the Swedish exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah, and it makes life so easy yeah. going out, doing activities. 
Yeah, and even it's though it's really cold, nice. there's still like a lot of opportunities. Exactly. You can go skiing, mm. and there are ski tracks maintained by the government. So you can also yeah. go to the here in Umeå. There is a library where you can borrow sports gear for yeah, free. Yeah, true. So you even if you don't have skis or ice skates, you can go and borrow them for mm. two weeks, and then just return them after you have used them. Yeah, which I think is an amazing initiative. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And actually. I have to admit we did or I did once winter camping as well. If you have the right gear, it's actually really nice. I was super scared of it and I thought like, oh no, I'm not going to survive this with minus 10 degrees outside in a tent. But it, I really liked it. It was Were you cold very nice. in the tent? Mm, no, I mean, we had really good sleeping bags, like down sleeping bags. And then we used like all those tricks you can do when you're out camping. Mm. You use your water bottle and boil some water. And then you just fill in the boiling water into your water bottle and put it to your feet in the sleeping bag. Kind of mm. like if you do it at home when you're cold in the yeah. bed. Did you see Northern Lights? Uh, no, we didn't see Northern Lights that night, actually. Okay. It was just one night. But um, you have pretty good chances up here in the north yeah. to I see them. Have seen, by the way, Northern yeah, Lights in yeah. Umeå? Yes. Many times. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. But they're even more beautiful if you're more north, I exactly. would say. Exactly. Yeah. In like Abisko, up there, it's beautiful. And there it's almost, if it's not cloudy, you almost have them every evening, every night. Yeah, that is really, really amazing beautiful. to see. Yes. All right. Thank you so much, Sabine and Fernanda, for coming welcome. here. Welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting us. Yes. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And uh, see you next time.